Great. Good morning again. Great to see you. Um, we're going to be going to the Psalms again today. We're going back to our series on the Psalms. We're going back to or going to Psalm 71. So um, while I'm uh, setting the scene, if you have a Bible, please find uh, Psalm 71 now. It's, remember, the Psalms are right in the middle of the Bible. If you don't know your Bible well or you're new here, um, the Psalms uh, right in the middle of our Bible. It's in the Old Testament, 150 Psalms or songs or poems. Um, that have been written to help us uh, worship God, to help us think about God. Um, the Psalms cover such a wide variety of situations and uh, emotions. There's probably a Psalm for every occasion. So Psalm 71, just to set the scene, it's by an anonymous writer. We don't know who wrote it. Um, many people say that David wrote this Psalm, um, and as we go through it today, you might see why. There are many phrases that you'll see that are used in Psalm 71, which are very similar to others that, that, are, uh, that, that do have David's name too. So you'll probably hear familiarity. But there are other commentators who say there's just not enough evidence. And after all, if the Psalms say it's by David and this one doesn't, we assume it's not. So what do we know about the Psalmist? We know that he's in his old age. How do we know that? Well, because he mentions it. He says so. We also know that he's struggling in the face of danger. He's in danger from enemies who are accusing him. Uh, they want to hurt him. So the psalm is a lament. In other words, it's a plea to God for help in this difficult situation. He's at a really low point in his life. It's also the testament, I think, of a faithful life to God, someone who has faithfully looked to God through the ups and the downs all day through their life. I wonder if you had to draw a line to represent your life, you know, if it went up for the good times and down for the low times, I wonder what shape your life might look like. What were the highs? What were the lows? Where are you right now on that line? How do you respond when things aren't going so well in those low points? That's what we'll be exploring today, thinking about the response that the uh, psalmist gives us for when he's going through a difficult time. I wonder also what's your ex expectation for the future? Where do you think the line's going to go next? Again, we'll see that in the psalm. I'm going to start with a quote from Phil Moore, who's a church leader and, and Christian author. And he says that psalms like these are really helpful for us when we're going through a low time. He says that psalms like Psalm 71 are examples of how those who follow God have always used the book of Psalms to keep them singing when times are hard. When the night is darkest, the book of Psalms lights the way for us to journey on. I think that's a really good place to start on. So let's journey on. Let's look at Psalm 71 together should be behind me if you don't have a copy. It's quite long, but every line is fantastic, so I'm going to read the whole thing. It's called, Forsake me not when my strength is spent. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and the cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you have I leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak against me. Those who watch for my life consult together and they say, 
God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste and help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually, and, my praise, and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for the number is past my knowledge. With your mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens, for you have done great things. O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous hope all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. I just want to pray. Father God, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your scripture. And we just thank you for this psalm. I just pray, Lord, you'd help me to share it, Lord, to share your words through me, Lord. We just pray this morning would be an encouragement that we would um, hear your voice through these words. Help me to speak through the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So as we see, this psalm is, um, the author is clearly experiencing a difficult time. That's the reason why it was written. It's a plea for God's help. So first he's asking to, for God to save him from his enemies. We don't know exactly what's happened but clearly he feels threatened by them, and they are looking down on him. And that's kind of where I'm starting this morning. We start the psalm in a place where he is looked down on. Perhaps he's looking down himself. They're watching for his life, that's what he says. In other words, they're laying in wait for him, looking for an opportunity to seize him. Why now, I wonder? I wonder perhaps it's because he's older now, he's not as strong as he once was. They feel perhaps they have a chance. They mock him, saying, God's forsaken him. There's none to deliver him. The psalmist admits his own lack of strength in this time. That's why the title of the psalm is Forsake Me Not When My Strength Is Spent. So clearly he's feeling empty in this time. He describes himself as a portent to many, an unusual word. We don't often use it. I had to look it up, if I'm honest. A portent is a sign or a warning, something momentous about to come, usually negative. I think, you know, when you look up in the sky and you see dark clouds in the sky, you know a storm is coming. It's a warning. There's something about him that the commentators agree, there's something about him that others noticed that looked different. He says himself towards the end that he's in the depths of the earth. So we don't know for sure what's happened, but perhaps he's suffering simply due to the frailty of old age. Maybe something different's happened to him, but he's weak, he's low, to a point where even other people think perhaps God's left him. I wonder if this psalm is written by David towards the end of his life. If you think about what David's life was like, remember he was a mighty warrior. He defeated Goliath as a, as a, as a boy. He led Israel's, enemies to, uh, Israel's armies to many numerous battles. But now, if it's written by David, his strength is gone. He's not the young man he once was. He can't do all that he used to be able to do. He doesn't have the strength in himself physically to see off these enemies. 
and says, please to God, don't forsake me. In other words, don't abandon me, don't leave me. In other words, this psalm is a prayer uh, asking for God to help him, to stay with him. In his lowest points, when he has no strength left in himself, he's relying on God's strength. He's saying, don't leave me, I need you more than ever. I can just say that the choice of songs this morning from the worship band I thought were fantastic. They fit so well into this psalm today. So he's asking God, don't forsake me, don't leave me. But this isn't the psalm of someone who is far from God, but a prayer that God would continue to be with him. This song is full of confidence in God. It's, it's a psalm full of praise. And what I want to draw out today is the psalmist's response to the troubles he's facing. I think we can learn a lot from this man, a man who spent his whole life faithfully following God and continues to, even despite the troubles, and promises to afterwards. Let's be honest, we probably can't relate to the same kind of troubles he's facing. You know, thankfully, we're in a nation where you know, it's unlikely people are going to want, want to hurt us because we're Christian. But in many nations of the world, this is a reality, isn't it? Christians are persecuted and attacked for their faith. Um, we got to pray for some of these nations during our week of prayer. And there are some here in the room who have experienced this firsthand. So this is very real for many Christians. Perhaps you relate to more the physical uh, challenges that the psalmist is facing. His lack of strength, not being able to do what you used to be able to do. Perhaps due to age, perhaps due to health issues. Or perhaps you're struggling for a different reason. Now, I think there's something in this psalm for us all, whether young or whether, or whether old, whether you're feeling fine or whether you're struggling, whether you're feeling like life's going absolutely fine right now, or whether you're feeling under attack. Because let's be honest, life's up and down, isn't it? We all face difficulties at different times. We all face times when we're feeling at our lowest. And I hope this psalm will be an encouragement to us. I hope we're able to take something from his experience, because we'll probably need it at some point. So his response... In the face of a difficult time, and when he's aware of his limitations, I think he does three things. While he's looking down, his response is this. He looks up, he looks back, and he looks forward. If you're a regular in life group, you'll probably recognize that from our life group notes. It's a useful framework when we're walking with God. But in this psalm, he looks up to the one who can save and deliver him. He looks up in faith, he looks up in praise. He knows that God can be trusted. He looks back on his past experiences of where God has helped him before. He looks back to remind him of God's hand in his life all the way through. And then he looks forward in hope, knowing it's God who he can lean on. And he trusts in God's faithfulness in the past. He believes God can do it again. So let's look. Firstly, looking up. I think he looks up in God in two ways. One, he looks up and declares what God's like. And he looks up and he asks for God's help. So he's kind of saying, God, you're like this. Now help me here. And we see that right from the start. The first few verses I'll read again. He says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me. You are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope. So he's demonstrating his trust by saying, God, you are my hope and refuge. He's saying, you're the one I look to for security. You're the one I look to for safety. He's saying, God, you're a rock. You're a refuge. You're a fortress. What does he mean? He's saying, God, you're strong. God, you're a protector. God, you're safe to go to. God, you're immovable. You're constant. 
David uses similar imagery in Psalm 61. He says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. And David again in 2 Samuel, after he celebrates God delivering him from his enemies, he wrote, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my saviour, you save me from violence. And Psalm 18 is almost identical to that part in Samuel. So you can see why people say that perhaps Psalm 71 is written by David as well because of the overlap of these themes. So in the Old Testament, it's a very common theme, the rock and fortresses. There are places of safety and shelter a place to go through to from protection from your enemies and a place to go to even protection from the weather. It makes me think of those Martello Towers you see along the coast. Um, I grew up in, in Seaford along the coast and there was one right there on the beach. If you've ever been in, been in them, they're immovable, aren't they? They're so strong. I was looking up, some of the walls are eight foot thick at the front to withstand cannon fire from the sea. You know, in Seaford where I grew up, it's right next to the cliffs. The cliffs are constantly being eroded and const- constantly changing shape. When a storm comes, the beach looks different, but those towers don't move. They're immovable. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, God, you're a rock and a, rot- and a fortress I can go to. But it's no good to get to be protected from them unless you're inside. To be protected, you've got to go to where the protection is. And that's what David's saying. He's saying, God, you're my rock, and I'm going to go to you. So can I encourage you? When you're in difficult times, go to the rock. Declare who God is. He is a rock and go to him. Give him your troubles. God spoke similar words to Isaiah when they were taken into exile. His promise promise was to be to the people's strength and savior. This is what he wrote in Isaiah 46. God says, listen to me, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And those words are true for us today. So God's described right from the start as a rock that we go to. He is our strength and we have none in ourselves. So my first question is, what's your response when you face hard times? Like the, the psalmist, is your default response to go to God straight away? Do you know him as your rock? So the psalmist looks up to God. He declares his character. He says what God is like constantly, and he asks for God to help him now. But he also looks back, and that's what I want to look at next. He looks back and recalls what God has already done for him. He looks back at the relationship he already has with God. His trust and praise is not sudden. He's not suddenly just worshipping God just in difficult times. You can see from this psalm, he spent his whole life in worship to God. He praises God for all the wonderful things that he has already done. In verse 5 and 18, he declares, For you, Lord, are my hope, my trust from my youth. So for him, God is not a rock that he just goes to now. He's always been a rock to him. He's always been the one he's trusted in, right from his youth. So young people, you're in, you're in this psalm too. God is working in your life right now from your youth. He declares his, that God has taught him from his youth. He's had a lifetime of learning about God, what he's like, who he is, 
how to live for him. And he's saying, still I proclaim your wondrous deeds. I just don't know about you, but I think it's such a wonderful testimony of a believer who is, even in his old age, is still captivated by God. For me, I hope when I'm old, I hope that will be my testimony. Paul in the Old Testament, sorry, in the New Testament, Paul wrote this about at the end of his life. He said, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I think it's absolutely wonderful in this church that we have such a range of ages, don't we? I just thank God for how many uh, children and young people we have in this church. It's wonderful to see them, their energy, their enthusiasm, as well as their noise and the chaos. But I think it's also wonderful that we've got such a range of of older people in our church too. Personally, I find it so encouraging that uh, like this psalmist, there are so many in this church who have uh, walked with God for so many years, for some decades and decades and decades. And I love it to see uh, the range of ages in this church worshipping God and those who are older who are still passionately worshipping God just as the youngsters are. So I just want to thank you for all those who are a faithful encouragement to us in your faith. So thank you. The psalmist that goes back even before his youth, I don't know if you noticed it, he said in, Psalm, in verse 6, he said, I leaned on you before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. What does he mean? But he's looking right back at God's hand in his birth, and even God's hand before he was born. Now, he's not saying that he had a faith with God before he was born. Now, that would be impossible, wouldn't it? Only Jesus can claim to have a relationship with God before his earthly birth. It might help to look at other translations. In the NIV, it says, from birth, I have relied on you. So whether it's from birth or before birth, the psalmist is expressing that it's God who gave him his birth. It's God who gave him life. It's God who sustains life. So it may not have been a personal relationship with God before then, but even before his first breath, before his first step, before his first word, he acknowledges that God was with him and God was working in his life. Isn't that amazing? Kidna writes this. He says, The psalmist looks back to the limits of his memory and then beyond to be reassured of a relationship that was lifelong, that had sufficed in other times of frailty and was not of his own devising. God had already been at work in him. And what he's saying here is that the psalmist is looking back even before things he can remember in his life. And he's saying it's God who maintained his life. He's saying the psalmist didn't choose to be born, none of us did, but it was God's choice to bring him into the world. It's God's choice to bring us from our mother's wombs. David writes something similar, doesn't he, in Psalm 139. I love this psalm. David wrote, You formed me in my in you formed me, might form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In the book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, yet when as yet there was none of them. David's saying it's God who formed us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And amazingly, David here says that God even knows the number of your days before you were even born, before even day one. And I don't know about you, but I find that such a source of comfort. Charles Spurgeon says this about this verse. He says, God knows us before we know anything. Before even conscious life, the care of God is over his chosen. Birth is a mystery of mercy. And God is with both mother and babe. 
So I don't know how you feel about your birth, but I just feel this is a word for someone here. You know, do you believe that the universe came out of nothing, randomly, for no reason, and that somehow you're here today? Is that what you think? God says he made you. More than that, he planned you. You're born because God chose to give you life, because he loves you. You are precious and you have a purpose. Take encouragement from that. So I love here that in this psalm, that even in his old age, the psalmist is looking back over his whole life. But he also admits that it hasn't always been easy. He says in verse 20, God's allowed him to see troubles and calamities. The psalmist here is showing that, you know, even for a believer, life has its ups and downs. Life contains difficulties and, tr- and trouble, t- trouble times. And he's saying here that God allows him to see these things, and some things are even God himself brings on us. But what's important is that he acknowledges that everything is under God's authority. It's a reminder that we can trust that God is in control, even when we don't fully understand why he allows us to go through it or what he's doing. I think it's important to notice the repetition in verse 20 and 21. He says, you will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. So he's clearly seen troubles and difficult times before, and God brought him through before. And that gives him confidence that God will again. That's why I think it's important to look back, isn't it, and see what God's been doing already. Looking back on your life and the life of others brings confidence that God will bring us through next time. That's why testimonies, sharing testimonies is so important for us as a church. I don't know about you, but when I hear of someone being healed, it gives me faith to pray for healing again. It boosts you to, to go forward for praying for yourself when you see someone else healed. I was thinking about this, and I think faith is a bit like a fire. You want to keep it burning hot. If you want to heat up a fire, you've got to keep adding logs, keep adding fuel. Um, about a year ago, uh, George and I bought a, uh, a log burner for our house. And if I'm honest, I was a little bit hesitant. George will tell you that. It was George's idea, and I was like, do we really need it? And now we've got it. I love it. And, I'm all, and now I'm the one who's like, I'll start a fire. I'll, keep, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll keep on top of it. And you've got to keep adding fuel, haven't you? You take your eye off it, you get distracted, other things are going on in the house, and it starts to go cold. You want to keep adding fuel, you want to keep stoking it, you want to keep it hot. And I think seeing and hearing what God has done is like adding another log to the fire of your faith, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying that we've got to make our faith greater if God's going to answer our prayers. I'm not saying that. Jesus said, even with the faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. But what I'm saying is it's important to keep our faith hot. Let's be honest, the longer we go when we feel like God's not answering our prayers, it's harder to pray again, isn't it? That's why regularly reading the Bible, regularly praying, regularly worshipping is important. They're like adding fuel to your fire. It's why it's important to look back and hold on to those times when God did answer prayers, when times when God did display his amazing power in your life. Use them as fuel for your next prayers. Now, George and I, I think I've shared this before, we've been through times, perhaps like times where finances were really hard and we were really, really struggling. We didn't you know, have a penny left over and we prayed and God helped us in those situations and thankfully we're not in that situation anymore. But when we pray about finance, we always start by saying, God, you helped us then and we believe you're going to help us again. Past prayers help future prayers. 
And that's why I think we can learn from this psalm. He looks back in his life from his birth, from his youth, all the way through the things that God's done, and he's got fuel for his future prayers. So if you're feeling under attack at the moment, you're struggling, can I encourage you, look back at what God has done, at ways he's displayed his faithfulness towards you before. Look back that God gave you life. He sustains every breath that you breathe. If you're a Christian, look back at the fact that God's given you new life through Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. If you're in a good place, praise God. But can I urge, can I urge you to bank those, those times? Remember them, because you will need them. When troubles and uncertain times come, remembering these good times will help you through those difficult times. And for all of us, can I encourage us to share testimony as a church? When God brings you a breakthrough, tell someone. Tell us as leaders. We want to encourage other people too. Let's keep fueling each other's fires of faith too. Amen? Okay, and the third response that the psalmist does is looks forward. So he looks up to God in praise. He looks up to God for help. He looks back at what God's already done. And now he looks forward in hope. He's hoping for a better future. And he promises to continually praise God in the future. He says, I will praise you for your faithfulness. I love that he's so eager to praise God, even in the future, for what he's going to do. He's, he's got faith that God's going to deliver him out of this situation. You know, right from the start, he's asking for God's help. And right here at the end, he closes the psalm, psalm with such huge confidence that God is going to deal with those who want to hurt him. In the New Testament, Peter wrote this, in the face of suffering for your faith. He said, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So the psalmist here is trusting God will lift him out of this low place he's in. He's trusting that God's going to give him the strength that he is lacking. As we've seen already, he's seen God help him before, and he's full of expectation that God's going to do it another time. He's full of faith that God will revive him, bring him comfort. He's going to lift him out of the depths of the earth, as he describes it. And as the uh, psalmist looks forward in hope, he's also got a great expectation of himself telling others. He's saying, in the future, I'm going to tell the next generation. Verse 18, even to my old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. He's asking, God, don't let me see death until I can tell others about you, specifically the next generation. And for me, this is one of the most remarkable bits, I think, about this psalm. He says, give me more time so I can tell others about you. I love it. He's, as he reaches the end of his life, he's going through a really tricky time. He's still looking to serve God. He's still looking to tell other people what God's like. Even in the lowest times, he's thinking about other people's faith and how he can be an encouragement to others. Spurgeon sums up this psalm brilliantly, I think, if I can just share what he says. He says, here we have the prayer of an aged believer who in holy confidence of faith, strengthened by a long and remarkable experience, pleads against his enemies and asks further blessing on himself, anticipating a gracious reply, promises to magnify the Lord exceedingly. What a testimony of faith to be praising God even in the darkest times and even trying to ask that he can help other people. 
Paul wrote in Ephesians that we're saved by grace and that God has a purpose for each one of us. God's got things that we can do to serve him. He says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you're a believer, this is true for you, and there is no age limit to it. Jesus' commission, great commission is that we go and make disciples of all nations. He said we'll receive power so that we can all be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that starts simply by telling others what God has done for us. Amen? Amen. Okay, so just as I come towards a close, this psalm is an account of one man's journey of faith through the ups and downs. Someone in who, in their lowest moments, when they realized they had no strength left, looked to God as the one who could save and found hope for a future revival and comfort. That's the picture of our Christian life, isn't it? That's the gospel. So in Christ, this can be our testimony too, because I believe that Jesus fulfills all that we see in this psalm. Jesus lowered himself from the glory of heaven to meet us in our lowest place. He humbled himself, becoming the lowest of all. Jesus is the only one who can say that he leaned on the Father before he was born. He displayed a life of continual praise and thankfulness. He lived a perfect life. And yet God allowed him to see trouble and calamities on a level that we'll never experience. A flogging at the hands of the soldiers, a crown of thorns, the full wrath of God as punishment for our sin on him. It was God's will to bring this on Jesus so that it wouldn't be on us. At the cross, Jesus was mocked and scorned by his enemies. You know, like in this psalm, they said, ha, God can't deliver him. On the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the cross, Jesus was separated from God. His strength was literally spent. He had nothing left physically to give. And yet, after three days, he was raised from the grave. God truly revived Jesus from the depths of the earth to bring us comfort and a future revival. And as Anna shared that word earlier, you know, we have hope in Jesus' return, don't we? We have a hope that when Jesus returns, all things will be made right. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the band up, please? If you're not a Christian today, God is inviting you to put your trust in him. I encourage you, look up. God is faithful can, and can be trusted. Look back. Jesus has already gone to the cross for you so that you can be forgiven. And God has already been at work in your life. And look forward. Jesus promises you a future comfort and eternal hope. So if you're not a Christian today, I'd love to pray with you at the end. Perhaps come find me or the person you, were, you came with. There's nothing in this psalm for us all that Jesus has not experienced. Jesus can relate to everything in this psalm and everything that we go through. So when you're facing difficult times, as we all do, when your strength is spent, look to Jesus who knows. He is a rock to which we can all continually come. Amen? Amen. Can I encourage you to stand? I'm just going to pray before we worship. Let's just close our eyes. I just want to pray for us as a church. If you're going through a tricky time right now, if you feel like this psalmist, you're in the depths of the earth, if you're feeling like the psalmist, that your strength is gone for whatever reason you're going through, can I just encourage you to bring it to God now? He is a rock that you can continually come to. He is a rock that wants to give you strength. And like the psalmist, he's promising a future hope. Can I just pray for us all? So, yeah, if that's you, put your hands out and receive. Father God, we thank you
that you are a rock. You are immovable. You are strong. You are mighty. You can be depended on. We thank you. We can trust you. I'm asking, Lord God, that you would break in now and bring breakthrough. Well, we've prayed and not seen breakthrough yet, Lord. I'm asking that you would. I'm asking, Lord, you bring healing. I'm asking you bring strength where strength is gone. I'm asking you bring um, revival to those who are feeling low. I'm asking, Lord, you bring hope to the hopeless in here. Lord, where situations seem too hard, I'm asking, Lord, that you would show your face and bring comfort. Lord, like this psalmist, Lord, give us a hope in the future. We know you can do all things. We know you can do anything. And we're asking, Lord God, that you would be a rock to us all today. We thank you that we have a hope and a future with you. We thank you that we know that we will be with you for eternity. But we're asking, Lord, right now that we would see a revival in our lives where we are struggling. We thank you there's nothing, Jesus, that you can't relate to. You've been through it all and worse than we could ever, that we could ever know. And we thank you that by your death on a cross, you have won for us a future hope. Jesus, we want to magnify you today. Help us to tell others of what you've done in our lives. Help us, no matter how many days we have left here in this earth, help us to spend every day sharing the goodness of God. Bless you, Lord. Amen.